Hi everyone, and welcome to the Dance Teacher Pep Talk. I am your host, Amanda, and I am so glad you are here. This is a space for dance teachers and anyone interested in teaching dance who is looking for motivation and fresh ideas. As teachers, we spend our days motivating and giving pep talks to our students. And now this podcast is a pep talk just for you. We hope that it helps to ignite new ideas and even work through some deep dance-related thoughts before you head into the studio. Thank you for your support, and now let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Dance Teacher Pep Talk. I am so excited to share today's episode with you all because I had the privilege to sit down and have a beautiful conversation with dancer, educator, choreographer, and mentor, Tara Yakabuchi. Tara is from the Rhode Island area, but travels the country doing various things in the dance world, including masterclass teaching, dance adjudication, and more. For those of you who know Tara or have ever been in her presence, I think that you can understand that there is a specific energy to her. It is so open, it is so inviting, and what really caught my eye about her was that energy. I mentioned to her when I reached out about this conversation today, I mentioned that I remember seeing her at an NYCDA Boston event when I first started teaching, and she was doing a combination in the teacher room, performing it as a dancer and it was so beautiful but what kept my eye was the energy that she was giving off and I feel like those of you who know Tara probably know exactly what I'm talking about and so her work is beautiful the way that she is as a person is beautiful and today's conversation was everything that I was looking for for dance teacher pep talk because I wanted to know more about the teacher behind that energy and how it was that she approached her classes and the ways that she guides her students and this conversation for sure goes deep into that. So we discuss in this episode Tara's classroom mission, her teaching philosophies, the special things she does with her dancers that really sets the expectations, the tone, and the drive of her classes and of her students' progression through their lives of dance. We talk about Tara's approach to choreography and what she also gives as advice for teachers and choreographers when it comes to setting up your students for the competition stage and also how to better prepare your dancers for the college dance space. As a dance adjudicator that travels the country and an adjunct professor at Dean College, Tara has a wealth of knowledge to share and I think that you'll be able to hear her energy and intention in how she approaches everything in her life through today's episode. So without further ado, let's welcome Tara Yakabuchi to Dance Teacher Pep Talk. Hi, Tara. I am so honored that you are here. I know I reached out to you because I've been so inspired by you and your work for years, and I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you today. Thank you for asking me. I'm equally as excited. So to start off, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. All right. Um, Well, I am, I would say, mainly a dance educator, choreographer right now in my world. Um, The dancing days are slowly (laughs) uh, becoming less and less, although I still push myself into it as much as I can because I love it. But I am an educator and a mentor and a choreographer based in Rhode Island. Um, I have been doing this for... Oh my goodness. Um, over 35 years. I'll do that to keep my age intact. (laughs) (laughs) I am also an adjudicator, um, for many competitions on the weekends. Um, a masterclass teacher. I'm an adjunct professor at Dean college. So I'm just surrounding myself with the dance. Uh, it's, it's been who I have always been since I was two, um, have never really stopped. And so I'm grateful that I've been able to continue to do it throughout my life right now. Yes, that is wonderful. I mean, I definitely, when I've been like seeing all that you do, you really have like 
a little bit of every bit of dance that you could grab into your career that you have made for yourself. And so that is just so beautiful to, to see and to hear about. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, so when I reached out to you, I mentioned that there was something about your energy that has really always caught my attention, whether it be at convention or whether it be seeing your work on stage with your students and in your choreography. And so I have some questions about your teaching and choreography and all of that. And so starting off in terms of, you know, the pillars of your teaching philosophy, you know, what, what did you say would essentially be, you know, your mission statement or what are you setting out to do with, with all the work that you do? You know, I feel like, I feel like if I was to think of, like you said, pillars or even my mission statement, I think some big key points there that I always even try to instill in myself, no matter what day it is, what class it is, what state it is. Number one is just go in with just an openness. Um, and I try and bring that to the class as well. Very difficult to do that in ballet, let me tell you, because um, we all know what we're doing. We have to get into there. But just in general, um, an openness to be you that day. You know, where are you? Who are you? What has happened today so far? And let's just kind of bring it to our class and bring it to our training. Grit is huge for me. Even if you are, even myself, sometimes there's like, oh, wait, what was that count or what's happening here? Just the follow through, the completion, the effort behind it all. Um, I say all the time that I am okay. I'm okay if something has to be modified. I'm okay if you make a mistake. It's more for me about what you're bringing to it. You know, I have seen those dancers um, who have kind of just shied away and they're not getting something or something's not clicking on a certain day. Maybe it was a bad day prior to, and it's, you slowly see the shutdown, you know, you see the, I'm physically here, but I'm really not mentally here. Um, and I just try and drive that grit aspect that keep going because you'll surprise yourself. Um, and even if it doesn't feel good, it's better than what you think it is. I'm always about the fulfillment at the end too. Um, and a lot of my classes will take a moment and we'll just even breathe and I'll ask them to check in. Where are you? I'll make them smile. I'll make them breathe in and exhale. I think overall, too, what I'm trying to say is having the work ethic, but also knowing like it's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. You know, smile, breathe, allow yourself to enjoy it. And when you do, it will naturally come to you in a different way, in a faster way, in a more fulfilling way. Yeah. And I just hope to my mission statement on top of that is always to hopefully allow all of us in the space, in the room that we're in to leave, maybe thinking a different way, maybe approaching something in a different way, um, trying to push the boundaries of complacency and trying to always wonder, Ooh, if I just curved around that corner a little bit more, what could happen? And just even realizing that the belief in yourself that I try and push a lot is what's going to get you over those humps and get you through the point where you talk about seeing a dancer or an artist blossoming. So that's a lot of the human qualities is what I push a lot. The characteristics more than the dancing, if that makes sense. Yes, completely. And I personally, I feel so aligned with that. Uh, it really is how I approach my classes too. And I love the words you used. And, you know, something that I've noticed, you know, just even on social media, like not even necessarily because I we don't know each other, but what I have seen of you is that there, your students, you can just see the love and admiration that they have for you and that you have for them. And so when you're speaking on this openness and this, um, this pushing through and just to find, you know, maybe a different feeling than when you arrive today, are there any, you know, specific exercises you do in your classes to help them to feel this safe and nurtured connection to be able to go to those places? Is there any, any tools that you use? Mm, yeah, absolutely. 
there's a lot of different tools I use and a lot of things I'll pull out will always depend on reading the room too. Um, and just even the dancers that I might have present, um, whether I know them or I don't. One thing I love to do is I love to start class in a very organic nature, even if it's ballet, um, jazz, if it's contemporary improvisation completely, um, but just in a way that allows us to make choices. Um, so like my plies, for instance, even begin with just like a warm up of the body and a roll through the spine and sort of bringing them out of that ballerina feel to realize that, like, how are we going to work with our bodies? We're all different, but yet we're all going to be asked to do the same thing. Sometimes, though, that organic movement is also just standing there, closing our eyes, breathing, setting intentions, feeling the floor, softening and rolling through our joints, our bodies, whatever I, I will ask at times, I'll say, you know, where are you holding the tension? Release that. Release your hands, release like your jawline, everything. Just let it all just kind of be. There are also times that if I'm going there with older groups and older dancers, I'll even have them when they're ready, speak verbally, maybe one word, feelings or emotions or wherever they are, just to put it out there. Everyone's eyes are closed. They feel a bit safer, I noticed there. You know, and maybe something happened where they just say overwhelmed or excited or ready. You know, I, I think it allows them to understand that others have things going on and it allows us to leave it on the floor and as a group kind of attack whatever the task at hand is. I also love to end my class as well um, with like a check-in. I call it sort of like that human check-in again, but I'll lead them through a whole, let's breathe. Let's just breathe and let's thank our bodies for what you just did. Thank your minds, your relationships in the room, the other bodies in the room, the space that we have, dance in its entirety. I feel like just kind of putting those sort of exercises in will either A, strip it down to make them understand that this is all larger than we are and let's just enjoy it. Um, and it also lets them leave being fulfilled in the sense of, okay, well, I started here and I ended here. And I'll check in with that all the time. There have been many classes when I've started like that where I have had dancers in tears and no one knows they're crying, eyes are shut at that point. And then for me to go up to them and just be there with them and give them a hug, I think starts to crack at that shell. And I think it also starts to form that relationship like you so kindly said, and I appreciate that because everyone I come in contact with, I truly do try and be there for in whatever way and in whatever capacity that they want to use me <laughs> in that way. I tell them all the time, I'm here. I'm here for you in whatever choices and whatever way you want me to be there for you. I love that. I still connect deeply with what you're saying. And I think, you know, something that I think about in that respect is if we are there for them and we show them, it's almost like we are approaching the human first and the dancer second. It really creates a feeling of safety to be able to move and do the things that we do in dance that are just so incredible and out of this world most of the time. And so it really allows us to, you know, like you said, the check-in process that the movement that we were doing, yes, is beautiful, but the human behind it always comes first. And so I love those tools that you just shared. And I think it will go a long way in anyone's classroom to implement that, to really be there with the students. And it clearly has results for you because you can see that your dancers feel safe to push risks or to go to their next level and to grow in that way. So that is very clearly evident with what you do. Thank you so much. You're so kind. 
Um, and along with the work that you do, something that really grabbed my eye, and you know, this kind of goes along with the experiences that you create for your students, you know, regardless of what dance discipline it is that you're teaching, um, I know that you have something called Tuesdays with Tara. And I would love if you could talk a little bit about that, because even just the title, something about it, it just sounds like a something very special. I'd love to hear about it. Yes, I love my Tuesdays. Um so way back when, really, um, Tuesdays with Tara started kind of for the older dancer. I had a lot of dancers coming back, you know, from school or back in town, and they wanted to dance. And I said, it would be really cool if we made a night of just open classes, you know, that anyone could come to um, anywhere in the area and we could just all share. So we created that night. It's a long list of classes actually. I um, start with a ballet class and then it goes into a jazz class. Then it goes into a contemporary class and it usually does end with an improv class. So, you know, the dancers can look at the lineup and see what classes they would love to come in for. I drive that night geared towards the older dancer. I have a lot of, um, you know, pre-professional dancers living in New York City, living elsewhere that will come in to take that class when they're home for the holidays or wherever they may be. It's sort of like me giving class and them choosing whoever's joining, um, them choosing where they want to take it if that makes sense. You know, I'll give some options. Um, just even the beginning of my class alone is you're going to go ahead and you're going to do your plies, but do the how, how, however you want. You know, if you want to switch it up and rotate inwards and have a parallel combre instead of the rotated. I just think, like I think back to myself taking those classes and, you know, sometimes you do adjust things for your body on that certain day. And I treat it truly like a pre-professional class. And even the younger kids that I have who might still be in high school, even some of them will pop in like middle school even. And I allow them to use it for what they need to use it for. I guess, but also to push them to say, you have to make choices. This will happen down the road and you will be taking a class and there might not be a mentor figure teaching it that will be, you know, fixing you every single moment. Um, so I think it's a really cool lesson and even something that's really even cooler to see, especially the younger dancers and how they take that on. Because when you're a younger dancer, you're, you know, you're, you're looking for that attention and for that help. And um, it's given for sure as any dance class, but again, it's more on them. And I let them dance for them in a way. And I think that's what made it so special. I think that everyone comes in and they feel so open and free. I try and always bring varying energies to the classes. After my ballet class, I'll usually try and in my jazz class, either give a nice upbeat, strong combination. Sometimes it'll be classic, which I also love because I feel like there's not enough of that lately. Right? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yes. And, um, but sometimes it's even just progressions. Sometimes that's where it goes on that day. The progressions could be six counts of eight, which almost yeah. feels like a combo, but um, contemporary is where I get the most that come in and take just to, you know, let themselves feel safe space to feel, to move. And then my improvisation is just developing the artist. And I focus on that a lot. I will give them direction, um, different tasks, different tools, um, focuses, I guess, and then they run with it and I'll walk around and I'll give little ideas and they're, you know, I'll whisper, Oh, what if you, what if that moment you would just breathe a second longer, where would that take you? Right. So I've seen such crazy, beautiful movement just grow within dancers from classes on a Tuesday. 
just being so comfortable making their own choices, um, allowing any kind of movement to fit their body and their personality, which I think is really cool too. You have to stay true to the choreography, of course, but you know, everyone can do the same thing nowadays. Everyone can, you know, hit all those tricks and hit all those, those big moments. Um, so now it's what can you, as your own individual, unique, special human and artist, dancer, what can you bring to what I'm giving you? And that's really what I based the whole night around. It sounds like such a great experience and just such a motivating space to also to have, you know, those older dancers come back to, I'm sure that the younger dancers really appreciate to see them and see where they're going and and still just being in that class experience together. So that does sound so wonderful. I'm curious though, too, when you prepare for like, say for your contemporary class on that night, do you tend to like choreograph ahead of time for that class? Or is it something like when you're doing the combination, are you someone who creates on the spot? For classes, I try and come prepared. I feel like I give much better classes being prepared. Choreography is a whole different story. I come with music, sometimes selections of music, and create on the spot. But for classes, I I find that just to keep the class moving and get them dancing as quick as possible, um, and as much as possible for them to explore and just feel that fulfillment at the end, I totally prepare. I'm always so interested by that because I know everybody's different, but your um, your explanation of that makes a lot of sense. And I know we're going to talk about your choreography in a little bit, but, you know, before we do, I am so curious also, you know, you are such a great mentor and role model for your students. And I was wondering if you could share about some of your most influential mentors or experiences that you've had that have made you the teacher that you are. Goodness. Um, yes. I mean, Really, everyone, my gosh, there's so many, and everyone has given me something, truly. Some of my key mentors, one I would say is the late Christine Hennessy, and that was when I was at Festival Ballet of Rhode Island dancing. She just scared me. Okay. She full on. And like if I was to drive up to the studio with my mother right on time, no, I wasn't going in. I like, I was late. I knew I was late and it was just, it was that sort of energy that she gave. It was what she expected of us. And when I was younger, it was a little stressful um, and a little scary, but as an adult looking back on it, what she asked of us and what she pulled from us was just pivotal to who I am today. Um, all of the the fear <laughs> and the push and everything that came along with just her very strict ways, that old ballerina, just, I think it made me really, really dedicated and more passionate in the end, you know, really cared about what I did and how I did it and how I presented myself. Another huge mentor of mine would probably have to be one of my dearest friends later on in life now, Andy Pellick. He just, from the moment we met, we just really clicked. Um, it was so not forced. And he, I would say, in my second part of my career so far, he has instilled the renewed confidence in me, you know, like you're not dancing every day. So there's a little bit of a, oh, I don't know. Um, and he just made me see that I was capable and that I had so much to offer. And I think that gave me that second breath of just realizing what I could do um, and who I could be to myself and to others. I mean, we're still so close and we've done a few projects together. Um, we still dance all the time when we can together. He is one that it's almost like a friend mentor there, you know, and I, I, I still jump in his classes because his classes still are crazy to me. Um, and I'm just so by nature, the ballet organic uh, contemporary feeler. And he's not. He's wild and he's crazy. Yeah. So that's good for me. You know, I think that also helped. He helped me see that 
I could push out of the boundaries even more so. So yeah, those are probably two big, big ones. Another one I would say to Susie Taylor. I mean, she's just the queen of all queens, but she has just, she's allowed me to kind of shape the mentoring that I give. You know, she's shared her knowledge with me, her experience, her trials and tribulations. Um, and along with that, just her as a mover, her classes, her, what, what she gives. I mean, she's the class that you push through and you leave and you're like finding yourself shedding tears in the back corner. Cause probably really most of the time for me, it's like, you did that. You figured out how to get that class. That wasn't easy. <laughs> Yeah, I would say those are probably those are probably my top three for all different reasons. I love that. And I think it's so great to see too, like what different types of mentors or, you know, relationships we have in our life that will shape us. Cause like you said, it's like little bits from all of these different people that helped us to form who we are. And, you know, it's so beautiful. Like you, I know you were talking about with Andy, with your, it's like the second stage in your career of, you know, finding you know, new ways of you, like you said, your confidence or like reinstilling your confidence in different ways. And I think it's so wonderful, not only to have a mentor like that, but to have a friend like that too, because uh, especially Andy being in the dance world, of course, these people understand and they have that knowledge because they've gone through different waves and stages as well. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, speaking, I know we've been speaking on a lot of like great things and beautiful things, but, you know, in your career to date, have you ever gone through periods of challenging times or, you know, even like burnout or if you've ever experienced anything like that, you know, how did you process through that? Yeah. Um, you know, I do feel, I feel very grateful whenever this question is asked of me because in the sense of injury, not many, as I'm going to knock on wood now, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, burnout, absolutely. Um, there was one summer that I just, I realized I needed to take off. It just came to that point where it just wasn't, it, it wasn't gelling. My, my vigor and my passion, it just didn't feel like it was in alignment with where I was and, and what I was doing. So I was like, we're taking a summer off. And I mean, technically you think about that a summer, what, maybe two months in the dance season, it wasn't really long at all, but I came back so rejuvenated. And I actually said, I said um, to my friend I was working for, I said, I need this time. I need this time before I have to tell you like, I'm out. So, they were very supportive and I took it and I came back feeling stronger and better than ever. Um, which, you know, I, I think is a really good question that you're to ask because I think nowadays with how crazy the dance world can get and what they can expect from us, which, you know, I do support because it's not easy out there. Right. When like these kids, that we're fostering to go out into the world and go to all these auditions or whatever they may do, or even if it's not auditions, if it's just job interviews, um, you know, there are no's and there are people that don't care about them the way that we care about them. Um, so it's nice for them to know that if you, if you need a break, if your body, if your mind is telling you, you need a night off, even take it. <laughs> I I, I just think it does wonders. Um, but I'm also very big on there has to be work being done around too. Um, I think that's where I really got through a lot of my times. Um, just even rolling out and caring for your body. There was one point where I was very adamant on having like a massage every two weeks. Yeah, you know, just for the body to feel like it could keep up with what I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I know. If you're on tour, you're getting body work done, what, every day. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think in the end to any of those burnout periods or moments that I was not feeling maybe even worth, worth it was just pushing through and bringing myself to a point where, 
oh, yep, I needed that class. That helped me through. Or I needed to go see that show. That inspired me again. Um, I think that's a great actual thought too, to have there. Like even if you're experiencing burnout in your normal world, switch it up. Maybe try a different class or go buy those tickets, go see something that maybe you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great tips. Great tips. And, you know, I, I personally did kind of go through a burnout when I was around age 30 and I, you know, when it happened, I'm like, you can't be burnt out. You're 30. Like this isn't happening. So like, it doesn't matter, you know, how old you are. Like you have to find tools. Like you said, it's not just like, you know, you take a break, but there's also work that can be done for your, for yourself, for your own soul during that time on the break, because, you know, it's just, it's also like rediscovering dance in a new way. When you do return, it's not the same before the burnout. And some, you know, a lot of times it's better because you have found and worked through whatever challenging period it was that you had. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're even just taking in your surroundings in a different way that you're enriching yourself on so many different levels. There have been times when I've even gone on just a trip Hmm. a week and come home and just kind of had a different perspective on things, which is really nice. I think it helps us along and it makes us better. Definitely. I agree completely on that. And, um, you know, take, I like how you also suggested like going to a show or finding inspiration in different places that maybe you don't typically, because, you know, as dance teachers, our days look like very similar. It's like, or if you look at one week, you've got, this is your Monday, this is your Tuesday or whatever it is. And it's, you know, it's always the same. And so changing it up and bringing in new experiences, I think can always be really beneficial, even if you're not in a burnout stage as well. So let's shift a little bit to choreography because, you know, preparing for this, I, it's been a little while since I have seen your work because I have changed where I go from time to time in the state for competitions and all that, but I have seen your work and it's so evident when it comes out on stage, you know, there's certain choreographers. I feel that when the, you know, the piece comes out, you're like, okay, I know, I know who choreographed this piece. You just have such a distinct energy that like relays through the dancers And so, you know, your dancers, as I mentioned before, it's not even just like the love that they have for you, but they seem, this is what really stands out to me, I should say, is your dancers seem so invested in everything. Like you put, whether it's a class combination video or they're on the stage performing a competition piece. And I'm just curious, you know, why do you think that is that your dancers, you know, step into that role so well? How do you inspire that level of commitment when it comes to the choreography that you're setting on them? Is it weird that my first reaction to that is because I'm a maniac? me um in especially in classes I am I'm the type of teacher that's like right behind you like motivating you right along getting excited when you're doing something or squealing to remind you of you better do this to make that next thing happen I would like to think it's my energy I would um Whenever I get rolling into a class, it's just, or choreography, it's just, um, it's like to build a snow, like a snowball. It just, it starts to get bigger and bigger and it gets momentum. I also really get excited when I do something that I'm like, oh, I love that. We're definitely keeping this. We're going from there. I mean, half the time with the dancers, I'm like, I might steal this and like make it my own solo one day. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I think, I think a lot of it comes from just my passion and my enthusiasm for what I'm doing. Um, So grateful that I can all the times that I do that I would like to think that that trickles off on them. And then it's, it's almost like it's contagious. Yes. And they're taking that on and they're running with it. Yeah. I hope that's it at least. (laughs) I I love that. I love that answer. I I can kind of picture it myself. You like 
motivating them on through in this space. And then they probably carry that with them in their heads once they get on stage. So I love that. And, you know, with, with your choreography and the process, you know, do you have um, certain ways that you find inspiration and ideas, or is it very different piece to piece it, or even like process wise? I know you spoke on with, in the beginning, sometimes with choreography, you bring in the music and then you create the work there on the spot. And just like, as you said, like the snowball, see how it kind of builds and, and goes from there. So I'm just curious of, you know, your process and your inspiration. Yes. Honestly, I would say it's probably different piece to piece uh, from dancer to dancer, but I never prepare for choreography. Almost never. I always have music prepared. A lot of times I'll bring the dancers into the selection of the music as well. I'll kind of see what they're vibing with. Um, I'll even know what they already have to perform. So then maybe I'll switch my route and bring something different so that now they're growing um, in more ways than one. I feel like that's also a challenge from myself that I enjoy secretly is being able to wear different hats and maybe have more of a groovier contemporary piece. And then, you know, next on is like very, very organic and and circular and really hard to clean, to be honest, right? <laughs> so some things I would say my movement is really geared off of the music and the lyrics for sure. And a lot of times too, I'll let the dancers choose, I guess their storyline within it as well. Um, so I'm not really one that comes in and says, so this piece is about this and then you go through these emotions, but in the end you persevere. I give them that guideline, but then I let them take a moment and say, what can you connect this to? What does this make sense? And sometimes it doesn't have to be that deep. Maybe it's just, you know, you got a cookie instead of ice cream for dessert that night. Right. Yeah. Um, but my choreography is very much a workshop. It's a play session, um, in my opinion. And through that, I think it takes out some of the um, expectation and even stress that can kind of come along with like, oh, I want to make the best piece ever. And it just allows us to move. Um, I was telling my dancers today that a lot of times what I feel like I do is I'll create like a foundation, but I don't know, or I'll, I'll, build a house, but there's nothing inside of it. I don't know what color pillows I want. I don't know the color curtains that I want to put up. And that's where they come in too. Like I can give, 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 but it's also how the, the dancers receive and then execute what they've been given that I think, I think sometimes will like transform it into what it is. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, the way that you're speaking on this, I feel this must also have a play or a part into why your dancers do seem so invested because you are giving them also that opportunity for their voice in a way within the work and the individual person or qualities that they bring to the story. I think they they feel that commitment for themselves as well. So it's definitely a really beautiful way to approach the choreography, I feel. Do you have any favorite pieces that stick out in your mind as having made a large impact on your life that you've created? Ah, yeah. So there are probably three right off the bat. One was called Metamorphosis. And it really took on the role of butterflies, really. Like from, they like began very shriveled up and small and then their movement just expanded. It was just, it ended up just being like everything came together. You know, the dancers, the music, the choreography, um, just the vibe of it all was just all there. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. It was an instrumental. So in instrumentals, I think, allow a lot to um, happen as well throughout. I think that there's more playroom there as well. That's surely one, though, for me. Um, another takes the exact opposite vibe. Um, it was called Capsize. 
and it was contemporary, but it was very groovy. It it just had beats. It had a bass line. Um, to this day, it's it's just when the song comes on, and I'm like, oh, such a good dance. <laughs> and then another one was a very dramatic piece. Um, this was my most recent one, Sarajevo. And there was maybe nine, nine dancers. Um, it ended up being, I mean, if you know that piece of music, it is called Sarajevo. And there's just a, like a screeching yes. within it. And at that point, I had all the dancers like just flipping out and flailing themselves. Um, that's when I knew. When I gave them just that whole beginning and then they got to that point, it was probably 30 seconds in. They were just all, you could tell they were artists. Hmm. They brought themselves out of dancer and they were creating art. We were creating art. Um, and that ended up being probably one of my top pieces where I just, it didn't feel, it was made for a competitive stage. It didn't feel like a competitive dance. It felt like it stood in its own realm. So I think that's what made me most proud. You know, something just really different, abstract, you know, like some company work you would see was kind of even my goal with it. So the fact that these young dancers were able to pull that off was huge. I'd say those are my top three. I mean, I have a ton of solos. Forget that. That's a whole nother. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are probably my top three. Yeah, I always love asking that question because, you know, it's so interesting, especially too, like when you're watching a piece, like you don't really know which ones have made the most impact on the choreographer. Um, you can definitely see in the dancers their investment, but um, it's just so interesting always to hear that. So thank you for sharing about those pieces. Thanks for asking. So aside from choreography, you also travel the country as an adjudicator and a masterclass teacher. And I was just curious, you know, based on what you've seen over the years as a dance adjudicator, is there any advice or notes that you would have for teachers and choreographers on how they can help their dancers to grow on and for the competition stage? Yes, I find probably my biggest thing um, that I think will just dive into the depth of the dancer and what you can be giving them to better serve them is to even myself as a choreographer, I try not to always do what I feel like I want to do. I might pause and I might go, oh, where can I shift this in other directions, in other ways? Um, I say this because sometimes I'll be away on the weekends and there'll be studios that come out and you know what studio it is. Mm -hmm. It's the same choreography. Um, or I, I should say same moves, mm -hmm. but in ways um, which is beneficial because as you're training these dancers, I get it. I'm there. You know, you're checking off. Okay. We want them to do this. We want them to do this so that you can put it in their pieces. Um, I think too, though, Pushing yourself to think out of the box when you can, even if it's little by little, are just going to make, especially these competitive dancers, super astounding, like out of the box artists, you know, that will just think deeper, that will dance with more um, interpretation. I think, I feel like there's a lot of, I'm going to do what I do and I'm going to do it good versus how can we take this? And I know that this has worked all these other years. Let's take some of it. And how can we twist it up a little bit and always keep them guessing? Yeah, I know. I definitely feel like even within the past 10 years, I feel that there's been a shift and a change in the competition world. Whereas maybe before it was about like, you know, your technique and your performance in the sense of like, okay, let's just make sure all these skills are seen and seen well, and you got to perform it up and all of this. And now I feel like there is this shift towards making sure that the artistry is there as well. And how can we bring that in as choreographers is definitely, I think, something we can all continue looking at and working on. Because like you said, it isn't about like having all these skills and movements within the piece, but thinking outside of the box. I, I do see trend wise that maybe like the past 10 years or so, I feel it has changed and 
you know, on the judging end of things, I feel like, you know, my dancers and I, we talk a lot. It's like, we clean our piece and then we get to competition. And one of the comments is this is too clean. And, and so we talk about that in the sense of like, well, you know, the reason why it's looking too clean is sometimes when you do that, it's like, you're taking some of the life out of it. And it becomes a little bit almost like, I don't want to say robotic, but kind of, it's just like, you're trying to meet this and this and this and hit this and this. And, and we miss, we miss the dancing and that, you know, the moment. You know, too, though, I even think about it. And I mean, I appreciate clean pieces. I will say that. But sometimes even for pieces that are maybe too clean, sometimes it's then just in the energy and the delivery, you know, like I have this conversation all the time with dancers. A batma should feel different than a pirouette mm-hmm. or kind of a hard example right there, but like a batma should feel different than a pot of beret. Right. So like now knowing that, and I don't mean externally, I mean, internally, like when that leg is flying, who are you? And that pot of beret is, you know, more of that um, take command almost kind of a feel. Um, I think even starting there, right. Yeah. Like ourselves to, to think about that. And, you know, also another note, and I know this can exist everywhere. Um, you know, there's social media, there are videos, there's expectations, there's, should my kid be here? Should they be able to be doing this already? Don't put things in pieces that cannot be done yet. Definitely. Can you put it in original choreography and have them work for it? And if it doesn't say, okay, we're going to do this right now, but we'll keep working on the other part of it. I'm a huge believer in that too. Yes, I, I agree. I agree with that as well. And, um, you know, also with your advice too, like kind of shifting worlds a little bit, but maybe not quite because some of these competitive dancers at the end of their high school are looking for college programs to enter. And I know that you are also an adjunct professor at Dean. And so I'm curious, you know, on another side of suggestions, do you have suggestions for teachers preparing their dancers for college and the college dance scene? Yes, 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 yes. Um, from my experiences so far, I think versatility is probably my number one biggest thing. I think that, you know, when you get to college programs, we're now really fine tuning what's going on to hopefully prepare you for the path that you've chosen to pursue and whatever avenue you want to go and explore. Um, But I find in my teachings, especially on the college level, that there are so many dancers that will come up to me and say, my home studio, we just did this and this. We were never exposed to this. And, you know, a a lot of times it ends up being a good thing because they're like, I loved it. Thank you so much. Even just in my jazz courses that I have at Dean College, there's a whole second part of the semester where I dive into, you know, lyrical jazz, contemporary jazz, commercial jazz, um, even just to, you know, broaden their horizons. And a lot of times they'll come up and say, oh, I've never done that, but I love that. That might be something I want to do more of. But I think to allow your dancers to have a better foot forward would be to submerge them in as many different things as possible. Even if that is, you know, bringing someone in to teach a class or having, you know, the company students learn or take from all these different teachers right? There's, there's going to be offerings everywhere, which I think will benefit them as well. Yes. Oh, great advice. Absolutely. Especially because, you know, when we're teaching these dancers, we're usually there for them, like for so many years of their life, and then they're going to go off and they're going to have so many different teachers. So to be exposed to that or different styles, like you mentioned, it's just going to help prepare them to that place. So that makes a lot of sense. All right. So aside from all of the dancing that you do and the mentoring, you are also a mother. And I am so curious to know as a mother myself, how has becoming a mother shifted or changed um, areas of your career or did it change anything for you? Um, Emotionally, it has. (laughs) I try to, I try and balance. I mean, man, I'm sure you know, 
trying to balance, um, especially when my son was born, which was June, 2022. So now I have a couple of little babies and giving each one what I feel like they need. They're still young and they still want me. And sometimes even with my daughter who's six, I feel like I see her. She's in the studio sometimes when I do teach. And I just see the way she's watching me with the dancers. And sometimes I don't know. I was like, is it like a little bit of jealousy? Does she feel like she has to share her mom with all these other girls? I think it's more of an emotional tug <laughs> that I'm, I'm learning to deal with. Um, it has not slowed me down except for probably the first like few months they were born. I want to give that time to them and kind of adjust us into life. But especially when I travel, I try and be very considerate of that as well. You know, even if I am like, I, I try and at least do maybe at most two weekends on one weekend off two weekends on one weekend off or something like that, just because I think it's important. I think it's important to, you know, as much as it's important for them to see you go do your thing and be inspired by you and see you being strong and independent. They're also your babies and they need you. Preparing with young ones um, is different. There have been times I've gotten into like classes and I'm like, this worked out on my kitchen floor or in my head as I'm trying to, you know, prepare, like I said, I do for classes with, you know, my son crawling and going everywhere around me. So it definitely looks different. I think that's what it is. It looks different. But I don't think it's really changed me as much. I think if anything, I've also realized how much you can fit in a day, how much you can do. Like some, I'm like, wow, I really just did all of that and somehow finagled that 45 minutes to an hour to create. And now I'm off a thing. So yeah, I mean, I completely embrace it. And I love both. It's, you know, you come home and it's just mom mode. It's, there's no break. Yes. But it's beautiful, isn't it? It is. It is so beautiful. And I completely relate to everything you're saying. Like, even to the point where, like, I think about before, I'm like, I had so much time. Like, and now we got way more done now, like, because it's like our time management or whatever we're figuring has to be, like you said, so balanced in a way to get it all in, to get it all done. So I can completely relate to what you said. <laughs> so I was like, wow, I really don't think I did much before. I was yeah. slack. <laughs> I know. Or I've made things take so much longer than they needed to because I was not as efficient, I don't think, with my time. So now um, that has changed for sure. Um, but, you know, taking we take care of our dancers. We take care of our children. I'm just so curious how you also, how you take care of yourself. Because something that is really big for me here with Dance Teacher Pep Talk as the podcast is, you know, always remembering to, to give back to ourselves and to be so mindful of, you know, giving back to the body and the mind that is putting out all of this work and energy all the time. And so I'm so curious you know, what are ways that you give back to yourself? A quiet cup of coffee in the morning is totally number one. And I say quiet, but it's not always quiet with my one and a half year old. But I think just taking like, for me, it's honestly the mornings, I think too, is like my biggest answer right now on a day to day basis is allowing myself to just like, take my mornings for me. You know, like whatever I need that's not work related, that's semi not mom related um, and just kind of be present and just be. That's it. But I am, like I said, I used to, massages were my thing. Oh my goodness. I would try and get them as much as I could, which has not been happening at all lately. Um, I do have one tomorrow. So I'm excited about that. Um, but I have to get better at that because I was much better at that um, before my second. But also, too, I have also found one hour out of my week with the Pilates reformer is also something that I have lived for. Um, and it it's me time. I'm not teaching. I'm I'm taking that class and I'm 
growing stronger and I'm feeling like my instrument is getting fine-tuned. So I would say those three things for sure. Um, lately, I have been seeing a lot of shows mm-hmm. here and there or um, taking like quick little trips that I normally wouldn't take like on the spur of the moment. That has been huge for me. I think I have to do more of that. Yeah. And I think we all should that those are excellent ideas. Definitely. You know, I think as you mentioned, all of those different things that we we can do so much to take care and, you know, to, to make ourselves feel good. Cause yes, we love dance and we feel good in dance, but there are so many other things that we can do to take care. So I loved your ideas. Thank you. You know, another one is too, though, getting into class. Mm. Whenever it's usually on a weekend because it's right in front of me, right? That I can just jump in a class if it's around mine or even where I'm going with my kids with my home based studio. But I just to get in class and just take and dance for me in whatever capacity it is, is also very refueling. Yes. That feeling, you can't really replace it with anything else. I, I completely understand. So, you know, to close today, if there was any like last bit of advice, whether it be for teachers, choreographers, dancers, you know, any kind of advice around, you know, being a human in this dance world, what would your advice or words of wisdom be? I think my advice would be to always find the moments when you have to ground yourself and find where your passion came from because I think that's what it is in the end I think it's your it's your passion it's your level of inspiration that is going to keep you going I think also once you start to realize that you're dancing because you love it or you're teaching or whatever the case may be because you love it and not just because you know we all need to make money we all need to make a living it becomes so much more. I say that to dancers all the time. I'm like, how about you? Like you dance for you, you know, don't worry about anything else. And when you see that shift start to happen, it's so visible that all of a sudden they're like, yeah, why did I, why did I care so much about that in the past? Why did I freak out about that score that I got or the way that I thought that class went? Just go go. And a lot of times it's not what you think it is. But I think a big thing that has also helped me through the years is just my alignment, knowing who you are, who you want to be, your vision, what you want to keep going to reach towards, always make sure that that's in check. I think that will keep you on a path to not only be successful, but to keep growing and keep exploring. Yes. To just continue that inspiration. Yes. Oh. And so we would love to also know where to find you on Instagram or a website to continue seeing your work and feeling your energy, because it is not just through the words you've spoken, but through the work that you put out and put out on social media or to your website. So how can we find you? So I have a personal website, which is taramariechoreography.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. I believe my Instagram handle is tamarie25. Facebook page. I actually have a professional page and then I have a personal account. But you can find me on either. I'm also on YouTube. I post a bunch of my videos on YouTube as well. Yeah. I mean, everything I keep up to date on my website though. So that would probably be the beginning go-to. You can get all the other links down at the bottom. Okay, great. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. And I'm going to make sure to include your website and your handle in the show notes today. But I really appreciate everything that you brought here today to this conversation. And the words of wisdom, I think are going to really inspire so many as they continue their teaching choreography and more in their dance life. So thank you so much, Tara, for coming today. And uh, thank you. It's been a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. 
this conversation to me as I was having it was just so inspirational and I found myself already thinking ahead to new ways I wanted to approach my classes this week or things that I wanted to begin implementing in my teaching and even experimenting in different ways with choreography. So I hope that you also are just as inspired as I was. So just a reminder, if you are looking to find out more about Tara and the work that she does, because it is beautiful and I highly recommend you looking her up, um, she is on Instagram at Tara Yakabuchi. I will definitely include that in the show notes. And then she is also can be found on her website, TaraMarieChoreography.com. So I highly recommend you check out Tara's work because it is so beautiful and so inspiring. And I want to thank all of you for your listens today and for your support of Dance Teacher Pep Talk. If you felt inspired by today's conversation, I hope that you also think to share this episode with a friend or colleague. And if you are looking for additional resource tips and classroom content, I highly recommend following our Instagram at Dance Teacher Pep Talk because I do share classroom tips and different things that work for me through the week as well. Definitely make sure to follow us on the podcast platform of your choice so that you will always get notified of new episodes when they come out. Thank you all so much again, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week.